From the home offices of Ash and Flow, this is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around to listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. Morning in progress, as always, Flo. We're back, aren't we? Yeah, back to another one. It's actually uh, going to be the last one, I think, before the Christmas break, right? Last recording. Uh, we yeah. already recorded our end of year episode, so we're, we're good. We're, we're ready to take a few days yeah. off, I think. I mean, it, it is interesting. I, I just want to ca- clarify. It is interesting who our new audience and everything are Yeah, based upon some of the spotify and podcasting stuff that we look even though spotify isn't even our top platform yeah no but we'll we'll revisit that and Mm -hmm. oh we do revisit that in our in our next episode which you guys will be able to find on the feeds while we are on our uh, christmas break right so to speak yes Yes, but we we wanted to insert this one here to maybe super quickly continue the discussion where we around the point we with professor mahoney yeah yeah we hit upon when speak to professor joe mahoney last week was it no we talked to him a while ago but the episode dropped last week so where we spoke to this idea that i think he raised the point that not every practice or firm needs marketing right away right you can get quite a bit of success under your belt just with sort of principle-led business development or or sales if you Mm -hmm. will and and i think we agreed and we had this idea of you being able to go to somewhere around the three to five million euro in revenue mark or the 20. Yeah. I think in, when we spoke to him, we, we talked about 20 or 25 people mm-hmm. mark. You can push it up to that limit. That seems to be true. I don't have empirical data on it, but for sure, I see a lot of firms where that is true. So you can get there well enough and maybe even beyond that point with just classical business development, right? So we spoke about that, and I think it's worth revisiting and maybe elaborating a little bit as to why it becomes an issue then, and maybe it becomes an issue earlier. And you know, what making so why would you then even switch on marketing if it works that fine? Can't you be content at the three to five million? I I want to preface this with something that we actually didn't discuss, but one of the things is sales and marketing have traditionally. Well, not in the modern term, not in the very modern term, but traditionally they've been one function. So it usually meant that sales comes in and does the whole biz dev activities and other stuff. And then we have marketing coming in. Yeah. And if we don't have any of the marketing or anything planned, then you're kind of stuck. Yeah. And I think to. I don't know if I said that in the recording last time, but I think of this as the the cliff, right? Where there's some point where you, as a consultancy, bump up against the cliff that is sort of preventing you from going further on your growth trajectory mm-hmm. by just utilizing business development as you used to do it. And, and that can be either because it just becomes impractical or, or inefficient, right? Yeah. You as the principal or founder feel like you can't double your travel schedule and spend even more time BDing, right? So there's a limit to these types of things. 
But then also, maybe it's just the throughput is not high enough, right? There's not enough opportunities coming to you that way. And so that becomes the limit. So whatever the reason is, but there is a point where it stops yes. being helpful enough to the firm. And then I think that's when people think about switching on marketing because as we talked about many times before, what marketing actually does, it's just an effectiveness and an efficiency multiplier, right? For yes. business development, or it, sh it should be, I should say. If I you, mean, that's how we should be that. treating it, yes. Yeah. And maybe if people head into discussions for maybe doing more marketing or some marketing or getting budget next year, and probably those discussions are behind you at this point, so I'll apologize. But if for some of you those come up, I think yes, this is a good way of presenting it because I find that, so, so the idea of it being an efficiency and effectiveness multiplier, I mm -hmm. do find that resonates with clients, even those who are a bit more skeptical because you're not, because it, that implies that you're not doing something very differently you're just scaling what works and they to me that's actually quite true because marketing should just multiply the results from the business development you're already doing or the best business development you're already doing yeah. right so taking the messaging that works putting it in front of more people taking the i don't know relationship development steps you're taking as a principal or as a group and doing it with more consistency and frequency, right? These types of things and are true. And, and that helps to overcome a few of the hesitancies around marketing. But then there's also the, the follow-up discussion that sometimes emerges when people then ask, okay, but why is it that? Like, how does it do, how exactly does it do that? How does it multiply the effectiveness and the efficiency? And I think I wanted to, to click on that a little bit. But I don't know, you, you and I have spoken a thousand times. I about mean, how, yes. Yeah. I just want to add it's it's almost like <clears throat> like I, I was also consulting for someone else and one of the things I've told them is when you're doing a whole biz dev sales initial activity, you're looking for that first follower, you're looking for that first person. That's what you're looking for there, because they'll be evangelizing stuff for you. They'll be trying to get they'll be your client, but they'll also be like talking about stuff for you. Yeah. And then it, that will turn to five, will turn to 10. And then eventually this becomes a scale job because you don't have the time to do the whole one, one thing anymore yeah. to build up your new, you know, set of followers. Yeah. You need to do it many one. At that point, you need to have the materials to do it a bit more mass production side. Marketing is great in the many one parts initially before it becomes focused on how that many one becomes a one one later in the cycle not that both these yeah. things don't need to exist it's just that this is the whole thing right scaling yeah and that's a reach and frequency argument right right which is yeah. constrained in, in typical business development exercise because you'll have a few people who can sell it whatever it is Mm -hmm. And these people also will have utilization targets or will be needed elsewhere. So there's a limit to how much of selling can they do. And, and marketing yeah. solves that in very obvious ways because it leverages media to get the, the message in front of people. But mm -hmm. I mean, that to me is the obvious one, right? The, there may be a little bit less obvious one or obvious points that, that also can contribute to the cliff, as it were, right? And in, in yeah. BizDev, um, I think are, it's... It tends to be a bit opportunistic, right? If you live by your network and referrals and these types of things, you are not really in control of what kinds of opportunity come your way. 
Well, okay, yeah. this is probably more true about the, the referrals, but also I think just the the classical network networking driven business development, right? You talk to people, opportunities come up, so there's always the opportunity, or should I say, the risk mm-hmm. to say yes to work that your firm shouldn't actually be taking on, right? So it's less deliberate, is my point, than a strategic marketing initiative where you tend to determine the target audience, the problem we solve, all that beforehand, before you crank the machine, right? So, and because that is not there, that's one of the downsides of business development. Now, can you manage that by being disciplined about it and always talking to your team, making sure people are clear on how to network and what to talk about? Yeah, sure, right? But then, okay, who who does that? In reality, I find that very often you create uh, all kinds of noise in the system by networking and and by having opportunities yeah. referred to you. So that's one. And then the last one I, I noted there, and we, I think that we mentioned in, in the talk to Professor Mahoney, Mahoney right? That yeah. it's also strategically risky. Second reason, so it's strategically risky because it's opportunistic, classic business development. That's what we just said. But it's also strategically risky because it tends to be tied to the people within your organization who can sell, as we said, right? And that means your entire new business pipeline depends upon them being around and sell- being selling. And I don't think that's a premise that you want to grow further upon, right? So these are the three sort of major downsides I see to business development. Mar- marketing can take care of. I don't know if you have a fourth one or if there's anything else. No, I think that completely makes sense for what you said. I don't have much to add there. Yeah. I mean, maybe we could also add that, but that's probably also a reach and frequency point, but there might be opportunities existing, people who need your solution or service or expertise or whatever you you hadn't even thought of, and Mm -hmm. you will probably never find them through business development or referrals, because that's always constrained to the universe you're already in, right? Once you put up a billboard and all kinds of people get to see it, I'm not saying it should be putting up billboards, but just to make the point, right? It should cost a bit of a wider net. Who knows, right? Who knows who else might show up and just to make that distinction fit with your current strategy. So it's not, we're not, that's not opportunistic. It's just finding an additional segment of people who are a good fit and you had not thought about those. So these are the downsides, which I think marketing Resolves, and if you switch it on, that helps you overcome these barriers or or the first few meters of the cliff, right? As you try to scale upward, and then if you add to that some of the benefits of marketing, you you can start to see just how far it can take you. Maybe starting off because we, we talked about this, the the it, it, you know the risk of business being tied to people. Well, obviously, the first thing marketing does is it embeds at least part of the business development effort in a system that is run by the firm. So either you have a marketing function or you work with agencies or whatever it is, but it's now it's no longer just, I don't know, Susan and David who happen to be excellent salespeople. It's a system that your marketing, your content, your maybe you do ads, whatever, do pull some of the people somewhat towards you. So it's no longer a hundred percent, you know, single people driven business. So that's there. And then, yeah, of course, second point, it's it, strategic marketing, if you do it, takes business strategy as an input, like I just said, right? So you have mm-hmm. to clarify a lot of the stuff you're trying to do yeah. up front. That, that by definition means you'll be much more deliberate 
and focused in your business development. Now, I've heard if, if you want to do marketing without wasting everybody's time and money, it becomes a forcing function that, that you know, for, forces you to stay in strategy and on message and in the segment and so forth. And I think that that's quite good. Staying on message, I think, is the key yeah. takeaway there because one yeah. of the things that people do lose is diluting that message and making sure that they're trying to be everything for everyone. Yeah. Which so I think happens that's, a lot. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the strategy piece and maybe the value proposition piece. And to me, that is how marketing drives the effectiveness, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's downstream efficiency from that as well, but that, that's mainly effectiveness because what it also tends to do, because you don't just set strategy and run with it, right? You validate and you bring client insights and so forth. So you optimize the relevancy of the stuff you say and do for the market you're doing it. Yes. Right. Which is also the opposite of opportunistic one-to-one, one-by-one kind of efforts. Yeah. That tends to increase the effectiveness of what you do overall quite a bit as well. And then maybe last point with regards to effectiveness, because you do it, because you're so strategically aligned, you're very deliberate, you've tested the stuff. What I find is that once you switch on marketing and you do it strategically, you also start to build funnels right? You and I discussed this many times. And that just tends to help with conversions. So it drives up these effectiveness metrics we would typically refer to as conversion rates or win rates or so forth, right? But it does that through all the stages of the funnel. Like I've seen studies that said that firms with very well resonating, very well-crafted messaging tend to do pull in, like there seems to be a 3x advantage, and I'm not sure whether or not that's entirely true, but better messaging multiplies the effectiveness of every step of the funnel. So top of the funnel, you attract more people to come to you because the message resonates. You attract more people to sort of move through into the middle of the funnel because, I don't know, your message and the entry offer is... It's more than three exits. Presented compellingly, right? And and, and so forth. So it it tends to be true for the entire funnel. So you were saying? It's quite exponential when you think about it and how it works. It's three X at the start, and then it keeps amplifying as you go through each step. Yeah, but that's, I think that's what I mean by effectiveness. That's just yeah. the, the, the gross results, right? So how many people yeah. come in, how many people come through and so forth. But if at the same time you can pull some of the effort out, right? Mm-hmm. Because your content speaks for you because a recorded webinar tends to get similar results as to what you were previously getting by going to events, speaking in person, right? Like yeah. these, these types of things, when we talk about using media as, as, as opposed to doing it, in person, that's when the efficiency comes in. And then I agree, right? Then you're right. It could be exponential, especially if it compounds over the years, right? You switch it on once mm-hmm. and it's something that's relevant. I don't know, let's stay with the webinar example. You build a funnel around a very relevant webinar and you can run that for three years without it giving out, right? I don't know who said it. Some influencer once said it and it stuck with me for, for a long time. They said that one of the most effective acquisition strategies to this day is to do a really successful webinar and just give it every week, which yeah. could also be having it recorded. But I think they talked about actually giving it live and in person. But again, that's just an hour of your time after a while when you get good at doing it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it, yeah, that's why the exponentiality, if it exists, creeps in because yeah, you you significantly increase the effectiveness and then you leverage it by taking the effort out, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, which that was my last point. I mean, if you set up marketing strategically, you will also think about things like what are our stories, what are the pillar themes, and how can we create and produce and ship content around those in a streamlined fashion, right? Then you and I talk to no end about repurposing, repurposing, reusing, redistributing, and so forth. Yeah, which I think that that makes the point again. So I I don't know I if that feels helpful but, to anyone, but yeah, I wanted I, to revisit this yeah. idea of saying, look, people, if you talk to the reasons for doing marketing in that way and say, let's take what we know works in business development and just multiply and leverage it to, you know, let's see how far we can take it. That would be the one argument for investments in marketing. Yeah, make know. it efficient and make it like yeah. scale it, make it efficient and make sure that you take the best bits in your many one yeah. strategy before you filter it down to the one one. Yeah. And I don't want to oversell listeners on this language of marketing being a multiplier, yeah, but I do not. like the metaphor because it also implies that business development and the personal relationship and the principal being there and closing the sale, that's not going to go away, right? We're not selling that's consultancy not. services with Reddit ads anytime soon. So this entire, to your point, it being one function once, all these discussions, marketing versus sales aligning and so forth. Yeah, there, there is no debate, actually. You need both. No, okay. right? yeah. And I think I the agree. multiplier verbiage makes that quite clear. Sales is, or business development is what closes the deal and wins the work, right? Marketing mm-hmm. just, yeah, makes that way easier, hence the multiplier. The axle grows. Wording, noun, whatever. Yeah, descriptor, <laughs> that, yep. that's that. I don't know if you have any additions. I mean, that that was literally all I had. Uh, no, that was day. basically good, Flo. I think we can keep this one short as we tell our listeners uh, that we hope they have a great Christmas in a couple of days or a few days. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say happy holidays to everyone. Make sure you have a nice rest of at least a few days before you come back. And I know of people who will be back between the years. I pity you. Just kidding. <laughs> but we will take a few more days off. Ash and myself, we will drop something in the feed for you uh, be- between the years, as they say in Germany. Do you say that? Is that an English? No, as well? no. We'll have a lot. We'll have one episode before the end of the year, and then we'll return mid-January, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. That's that weird phase in time between Christmas and New Year's. That's what we call refer the, the between the years in Germany. The, I think the <laughs> you know, notion being... The year ends at Christmas and then the new year hasn't really started until New Year's Eve or whatever. I don't know. Oh, that's interesting because so, the Egyptians used to have the last five days. I mean, they follow the solar calendar, but the months were just 30 days, 12 months of 30 days, leaving the last five days for just celebration before the new year began. Which, see, they, they, they knew something about how yeah. to live life, whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. The ancient yeah. Egyptians. Yeah. I didn't know sure. that. That's interesting. Also, I like the elegance of having 30-day months, obviously. Yes, it's very but logical. Okay. Yep. <laughs> That's it. Right. a good one. Have a nice Friday weekend, Christmas break, whatever, eventually. Mm-hmm. And we'll speak to all of you, hopefully, soon. All right. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us. 